Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Ray, um, WIP is doing a great event next week, which I was told was Angelo's idea. And I think it's brilliant. I heard it was Al's, but it came out of the morning show anyway. Okay. And I guess basically one of them was just kind of cleaning up around the house and <laughs> saying, you know what? I don't need these 30 wing bowl t-shirts I've had from every year. I could throw them away or, you know, maybe I could donate them to charity. And then a, a, a bell went off and thought you could do a WIP garage sale for right. charity. And so that's taking place Tuesday uh, at the Green Turtle on Bethlehem Pike in North Wales, every show, WIP show, is going to be broadcasting from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Right. And it basically, we all cleaned out our closets, or most of us, uh, to sell whatever memorabilia, fun stuff you have. All proceeds go to the Pennsylvania SPCA, a cause dear to you, dear to me. Absolutely. We both have our pets. So many people have their dogs, their cats. Feel, you know, my cat was a rescue cat. You you. You were actively involved in Bulldog Rescue. Correct. Um, so anyway, there's some good stuff there. I'm just curious. One of the items that looks like it could be the gold standard for this thing hmm. is the Ray Dinger Phillies Dream Week. Wait, Phillies and Mets Dream Week? I had uniforms. I have two of them. I, I donated two uniforms. One's a Phillies uniform. One's a was one because you've worked other camps, right? Okay. So explain what this is, because I think it sounds great. It's uh, it's it's an official uniform. Uh, it was the uh, 1983. It was the very very first of the Phillies Dream Week slash Fantasy Camps that was uh, that was held, and uh, I was still working at the Daily News then, and they sent me down to write about it, take part in it, and um, you got issued a full uniform. In fact, you got issued two uniforms. You got issued, and this was the 80s Phillies uniform. Uh, and you got issued a home uniform and you got issued a road uniform, uh, the powder blue. And so, uh, I'm, I'm donating my, uh, my road uniform, the, the powder blue uniform, which is the, uh, the, the, it's the full Phillies uniform, Jersey pants, uh, my name on the back, number 27, which was always my baseball number, Jack Balshan's number. I wore it as a homage to my favorite Phillies player. So that, so that is that in. is just so great in and of itself. <laughs> I'm sure when you went back then, there were a ton of like Johnny Callison's, Dick Allen's, oh, right? Oh, Jim yeah. Bunning, you know, certain guys like that. Then later on, there was the Schmidt, the Rose, Luzinski, Carlton. Ray's got his ball shit. I wore number 27 for Jack Balshan. <laughs> so that's that's the uniform that's uh, that's part of the of the. Uh, Garage sale, and also I went back the next year and did the New York Mets camp uh, as a as a staffer, which meant I basically threw batting practice and hit fungos. But I got a nice week in Florida and got a nice uniform, mm. which I have now donated. So this is uh, this is also a Mets road uniform with a blue top and the gray pants. So those are both in the bidding. They have that my... Phillies one's pretty good. Game worn. Oh sure, oh. yeah. A couple grass stains. 
Uh, well, my my wife insisted on washing it. Okay. So it's so it's clean. clean. It's okay. clean. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they're, I'm, yeah, I, 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 it's it's awesome game wow. action. Ray Dinger wore these pants. Yep. Do you understand? Somebody's going to buy that, and then they're going to show up at a Phillies game in it. You're going to be watching on TV, and all of a sudden, like, well, look at this fan out there, and it's going to be a guy wearing your old uniform to the ball game. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, and it's uh, it, it's 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 legit. I mean, it's the real uniform. So if uh, this is not a replica of anything, I mean, this is the real thing. And I know a lot of people love those old '80s powder blue road uniforms. Yeah. So it's there. Warm earlier this year, people loved it. It's there for the asking. So I started when I got this. I thought, you know, this is a fine idea, and I just like started going around my office, and I've been saving up stuff forever, right? Well, you were Mr. Bobblehead. How many bobbleheads did you have? Uh, 40, 50, <laughs> something like that, right? Because just whenever they came out, I had them, and I have a shelf in my right. office. You've been in my house. You know, yeah. I just, like, they're up on top of the shelves, yeah, right? right? And so I said, ah, I don't need this. I'll give this. And I, I had a piece of turf from the vet, actual vet turf that, you know, Wendell Davis tore his knees up on. Right. Right. It's a patch. It's about 16 inches by 16 inches. I had a chunk from the vet the day they blew it up. I went and got like a chunk of concrete from the vet. Good. Um, And I just started like combing through it saying like, yeah, maybe I'll give I don't need this anymore. And my my sons, they're not going to want this. And and my wife is behind me going like, yes, yes, let's keep going. Let's do this. Right. She and I and I basically, Ray, all in. Wow. All of it. A seat from the spectrum. Good. I gave up uh, a couple of Mitchell and Ness jerseys, one being a Whitey Ashburn jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, every book I ever wrote, all those kids' books I wrote. Right. Like, let's let's unload those babies. Very good. So, yeah. I mean, the great thing for me is now, like, I actually can see the floor and the walls in my office. <laughs> well, so one, that's different. Well, one of the things that I kicked in was a, a piece of the basketball court from Hershey where Wilt scored 100 points. Oh, I got that. Yeah, yeah. I think I threw that in, too. Yeah. Yeah, they gave that. It was a giveaway, whatever, 10 years ago. Well, I went. Uh, I actually went up and spoke at, uh, at the Hershey Public Library uh, a month ago uh, just to do. They have a Sunday speaker series, so they asked me to come up and speak, and I did. And they gave me a nice package of going away gifts i guess and one of them was a piece of the court uh from the hershey sports arena from the night that wilt scored 100 so i mean it's very nice mm-hmm. but i mean I, what am i going to do with it and i figure let me let me put it in here yeah. and a lot of people i mean that's that i mean that's that i mean that is real history i mean a piece of the sure. court where wilt scored 100 absolutely so uh so i put that in the mix well this too. thing is this is going to be great it's a great event and, and i hope it raises a lot of money i know a lot of the other guys here really use this as an opportunity to, A, I mean, yes, unload stuff, but, B, there's going to be a lot of fun, some humorous stuff there, and I think it's it's great that, that we're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll see everybody. It is Tuesday all day, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. at the Green Turtle Bethlehem Bike in North Wales. Yep. I like it. Jerry, you're on 94 WIP. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Ray. Hey, Jerry. Hey, you know, I'd like to make a donation to that uh, event. How about a game-worn, contest-worn, wing-bowl shirt? Oh. I I'd sign it, Jer- but Jer- it would... Jerry's yeah. a wing-bowl de- contestant. That's correct. Yes. Oh. I'd got- sign it, but it would detract from its value. Sauce stains on it? Nah, they cleaned it. Oh. Yeah, but sure. But it does say eater across the back, so there you go. You know what? That does add extra value. Bring it. All right. Uh, a lot of people think the team is... Eagles are going to do great. A lot of people think they're going to stink. This team is a mystery to me. 
I really have no idea how they're going to perform or or how the division is going to be. Uh, okay. Yeah, actually, we were going to talk. We were going to talk about Ezekiel. I guess we'll do that next in the next segment. Um, I think you are right in that the Vegas over under for the Eagles is now eight. Right? It's either eight or eight and a half. It's been it's been eight. Okay, which says. Hey, if they're really good, they could win 10. And if you win 10, you make the playoffs. And if it doesn't work out, they're going to win six or seven, and the coach could be in jeopardy. I like their talent. I certainly like their offensive talent. You know what the biggest question mark to me is, Jer? Oh, it's got to be cornerbacks or defense. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. For, for me, it's running back. For me, it's coach. Uh, yeah, he's a mystery. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to believe in him. I'll put it to you that way. I'm not ready to condemn them either. That's that's the rub. If you really dislike them, or if you really like them, but I really don't know anything about them. <laughs> Jerry, I think I think I think that's very fair. I mean, that's kind of where I am with Doug. I I, I really don't know uh, to what level of confidence I have in him. I mean, I saw some things last year that I thought he did pretty well. I saw some decisions he made within games that I really disagreed with. Uh, I want to see this year how much he's learned from that one year, how much he's learned from his mistakes and, and how good a coach he is. I think by the end of the, I think by the end of this year, you'll know, I think by the end of this year, you'll have a really clear picture of that right now. I don't know that any of us do. No, I think at the end of the year, he'll know if he has a job for next year or not. And that'll be pretty clear. Yeah. Well, but I, in the event, I, I do, I do think the, thanks, I, sure. I, I really do think the, uh, the owner really likes him which is a big thing. Jeffrey really likes him, and I think Howie really likes him. That goes a long way. I mean, I've heard some people say that if they don't make the playoffs this year, he's going to get fired. I, I don't believe that. I mean, I don't think you can, for, for where this team is right now, and as good a division as this is, I don't think you can make this a, a make-a-break year for a second-year head coach. I think that's just, you're setting the bar too high. Could they get there? Yeah, they could get there. But if they fall short, I don't know that that's, that's the kind of thing that's a fireable offense. No, if you fall short seven and nine, eight and eight, I right. don't think he's going to get fired. If you go five and eleven, if it all falls apart, yes, yes, exactly. But no, I don't think it's it's not a make or break. Like if you don't make the playoffs, you're gone. No. I, but I, I have heard people suggest that oh, if he doesn't make the playoffs, they're gone. I I, I don't I don't see that. I really don't. All right, you know, like you said, four, five and eleven, four and twelve. That's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> so Ray, there was news uh, yesterday that impacts the because you you mentioned it. The Redskins lose critical player for the season Trent Murphy yeah for the season yeah he's done Oof. he's ACL he's he's got the surgery he's gone all right so what does that mean for them it means it really impacts their pass rush I mean they had um he killed, you know last he killed the Eagles last year yeah I mean, last, I mean last year they had him on one side and they had uh, Ryan Kerrigan on the other side and they were a handful trying to block those two guys uh and they lose Murphy now that's a significant loss that's mm-hmm. a significant loss for their defense the Giants did not look very good in their opener. Their offensive line, which was not good last year, looked dreadful. Yeah, got beat up by the by the Steelers. All right. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. And, of course, the big news is that the Cowboys, star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, is suspended six games for a domestic violence issue. Um, and there's been a whole lot of debate as to whether that was an appropriate sentence or not. And the one thing that's with the NFL is – the league, the commissioner has to figure out a consistent policy mm-hmm. because there isn't now. And you hear, and I don't care what Cowboy fans feel, but there is there is an argument that is not illegitimate that says, well, wait a second. If Josh Brown got two games for what he did, which was awful, how does Elliott get six games? And if Ben Roethlisberger got this for that, it, they, 
there's two uh, there's two parts to this. One is because they mishandled it in the past doesn't mean they have to mishandle it now. Correct. But the second one is it does seem real scattershot. It seems arbitrary in a lot of ways. I mean, they've they've tried to set Goodell is trying to set six games as kind of the bar now. Um but already Elliot has filed an appeal. Uh, now, he's not going to get the whole thing overturned. I think what he's hoping for is that uh, in making the appeal, perhaps he can get the six games rolled back to maybe four. Um, but if And the league has to hear the appeal within 10 days. So we'll see where this goes. I mean, if, they, if, if he and his representatives want to really push this, I mean, they could go for a preliminary injunction, get the thing taken to court. And maybe he does like Tom Brady, like, and, like we haven't seen that one before, and, and plays a whole year while this thing is, ha- is is hanging in the wind. I don't know how he's going to play this, but the one thing you can't. By the way, just, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Jerry Jones said he may file a suit as well. Right, the owner of the team, Robert Kraft, didn't do that. Jones says he may do that. Well, Jerry was on record as recently as last week out in Canton as saying he didn't think Zeke was going to get anything. I know there's no evidence of a, of a crime right. being committed. And then the TMZ releases the pictures. There's certainly evidence that a woman was beat up. Sure, sure. Uh, now, now her, some of her claims, not all of them, but some of her claims have fallen apart upon closer scrutiny, which I think is probably going to be the basis of, of Zeke's appeal. Uh, I, the one thing, one thing about this one is you can't claim that the NFL didn't really look into this one. This was 13 months <laughs> yeah. in the investigation. They spent 13 months coming out with this to the point where people were starting to say, what's going on here? And they thought they were sweeping it under the rug. I knew he was going to get a suspension. I wasn't quite sure how stiff it was going to be. I was thinking it was going to be four. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised it's six. But if the evidence is what it appears to be, then I think the league has to come down on them really hard. And, you know, where do the Cowboys go from here? They're a little bit lucky in the sense that, if it turns out to be six games, if you look at their schedule, I mean, there are some tough games in there. I mean, they got to play Green Bay. I think Denver's in there. But there's only one division game. So if it turns out to be six games, they'll not have him for the opener against the Giants. But those next five games are out-of-division games. And they'll have Elliott back for five of the six division games, which, as we all know, over the course of a season are really the most critical games. Yeah, the, here's the games that he would miss now. The Giants at home. Right at the Broncos, at the Cardinals. That's three tough games. Mm-hmm. Rams, not so much, and Green Bay, right? Packers, and at the Forty ers So four of those are against teams that certainly have aspirations to make the playoffs this year. One is against the division rival, right? But just one, and just one in the division. Yeah, yeah. From Eagles fan, Eagles fans are looking at it and saying, "Why this year do we have to play the Cowboys so late? Why couldn't we at least have? Yeah, why I couldn't know. We at least I have one of those I give us games. one of those games. Right. I know." Um, and, you know, he's going to come back rested and ready to play. Um, it's going to hurt him, but I don't know it's going to cost him more than a game. They're still going to win those two pushover games. They're still going to beat the Rams and the 49ers. Right. right. They're probably going to lose, say, two out of three to the Broncos, Cardinals, and Packers. Right? They're going to lose two of those three games. And the Giants game is it's, at home. Right. The Giants game is at home, although it's that division game. That that rivalry goes funny different years. It doesn't always go to, to the way you'd think. Always the Giants swept them last year. Yeah. Um, right. The, pack, the, the Cowboys win the division going away, but the Giants swept them twice last year. 
So it's going to cost him a game. Then he's going to come back rested and healthy, and I don't think it's going to ultimately hurt them that much. Right. It'll it'll change the structure of their offense. It'll change the play calling. It'll obviously put more pressure on Dak Prescott. Yeah. The running backs in the short term will be Darren McFadden. Yeah, not good. Uh, and Alfred Morris. Not good. So that's you know they'll you know they're going to have to carry the load till he comes back. But what it's going to do is defenses will, defenses will have to play him differently. You know, they they don't have to respect the run nearly as much as they did when they had Zeke Elliott. So that'll make more guys dropping off some tighter windows for Dak Prescott and probably more pass attempts. Uh, just last thing, because we got to hit the break. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott put out an apology, and I want to read it to you and see if you can figure out what's not said here. Okay. I am both surprised and disappointed by the NFL's decision today, and I strongly disagree with the league's findings. I recognize, by the way, it's likely a PR person wrote it for him, but whatever. It's, it's under his name. I recognize the distraction and disruption that all this has caused my family, friends, teammates, the Dallas Cowboys organization, as well as my fans. For that, I am sincerely sorry. Mm-hmm. Anything missing? You tell me. He doesn't apologize to the victim. Right. My family, friends, teammates, the Dallas Cowboys, and my fans. I understand he doesn't want to admit a crime. Right, that's that's the whole point. How about and anyone else I might have hurt? How I don't I don't know how you say it, but when you write this and you ignore it, deliberately ignore it, I think it makes you look worse. I apologize to the fans. Yeah, because the fans are really aggrieved. There's a woman with bruises all over her body. Might want to work that in. Well, I'm sure his lawyers sat down with the PR guys and decided to, to apologize to the victim is tantamount to saying I did it. Then don't say anything. Don't don't say anything because I think this makes you look worse. That's my thought. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree with you. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack. Now we see online. We'll get some calls coming up in the next segment. Summer savings are heating up at Chevrolet of Turnersville. Zero percent for 72, 72 months. A new 2017 Cruze LTS, Malibu LTS. And tracks LTS right now at Chevrolet of Turnersville. New 2017 Cruise LTS, Malibu LTS, and tracks LTS, zero for 72. Find new roads, Route 42 in the Turnersville Auto Mall. Online, ChevroletofTurnersville.com. Some restrictions apply. Sales expires at the end of the month. See dealer for details and tell them Glenn Macnow sent you. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. Brought to you by ShopRite of Williamstown. I'm Sue Schilling. The Eagles are still on the practice field this morning at the NovaCare Complex. They did make a move yesterday, training wide receiver Jordan Matthews to the Bills and got cornerback Ronald Darby in exchange. Darby is at the practice facility but is not suited up. Nick Foles once again sidelined with elbow soreness. Head coach Doug Peterson set to speak after practice and Darby will also be at the podium as well. Eagles continue their preseason schedule Thursday night against the Bills at Lincoln Financial Field at 7 o'clock. That game could be heard right here on 94 WIP. The Phillies will host the Mets again tonight. First pitch at 7.05. Aaron Nola takes the hill for the Phillies. Stephen Matz for the Mets. That game could be heard on 94 WIP. Leading off with Rob Cherry begins at 6 o'clock. Phil's trying to bounce back after losing once again to the Mets last night, 7-6. Mark your calendars and bring the kids to meet the Philly Fanatic at ShopRite of Williamstown this coming Thursday, August 17th at 11.30 in the morning. CBS 3 Eyewitness weather, spotty showers, some isolated thunder, very muggy, high 81 at 73. 
in Philadelphia. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour. For breaking news and scores, go to CBSPhillySports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, it's preseason. I refuse to get excited, but Ray, Derek Barnett looked pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Yes, he did. He did. Um, You liked him when they drafted him. He was your pick. He was my guy. So far, Ray didn't your genius. Well, I don't don't know about that. I I know that there was some stuff written uh, and tweeted and said uh, about Barnett in practice, uh, that he had a couple practices where people said, oh, geez, he's... He's getting handled. He's getting uh, knocked down. He, you know, Vitae got the better of him in some one-on-ones. Well, you know, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's that's going to happen. I understand the scrutiny because he was your number one pick. But, I, I mean, I have no doubt that he's going to be a good player. And one of the things I thought was encouraging with the way he played on Thursday night was he's showing signs of doing what he really needs to do, which is develop more moves. You know, in, in college, as a pass rusher, you can have one really good move and win with it because you're playing in college. And if you're just a, a pure speed guy coming around the corner, you can just outrun people to the corner in college. Mamula. Yeah, there's a, that, that's an example. And, and, and there are others, the guys that are just or, – or if you're just a bull rush guy. And you, you know, in college, you can just bull rush your way to the quarterback. But in the NFL, these guys are too good and they're too smart and they're too studied and the scouting reports are too good. And if you only have one move – then they're going to find a way to take it away from you. And so all of these guys, when they come up here, they have to learn counter moves, and they have to diversify their their attack is a better way of putting it. And he's been doing that on the practice field. He's been working at it. He's been developing a spin move and a willingness to go inside. He's not just an edge guy. He'll take it inside now and get to the quarterback. That's what he's been working on. And I think he began to see signs on Thursday night that uh, that some of it's starting to bear some fruit. I, You know, I definitely think he's going to help them. They need it. We talked about what all the help they needed in the secondary, which they sure did, but that also had to come with a better pass rush, and he's definitely going to upgrade the pass rush, and I think Thursday night you began to see some evidence of that. Absolutely. David, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, Dave. Um, I, I'm, I'm really I'm not really sure how to really look at this team. Um, I, I, I understand that the logic of trading Matthews I don't understand why, if you're willing to give up a third-round pick, that's a, that's a really steep price considering his productivity level. I understand that he's only got one year left, but if he goes to the open market, he has value. If they, if they were willing to do that, they needed to do this at the draft because you're giving up a whole lot for, I mean, I've never heard of the guy, and I'll reserve judgment on that, but it's just it, with Howie, when it comes to the trades, they're usually – better timed, and now looking going forward, now you're going into next year, and they're cash-strapped, and now they're draft capital-strapped, and next year is a no-excuse year. You you know, everybody's job's on the line. They really put themselves in a position to where they better be right. Good. Otherwise... See, I'm okay with, I'm okay with gutsy. But this, right? I, I mean, it's being conservative. What does that get you? This is gutsy. I mean, again, I'm cool with the trade. But I just don't. You don't. This if this ain't trading season. Why not? Unless, if, if hey, listen, Sam Bradford, we was in a position of power. Well, if somebody gets hurt and they need a wide receiver, you can go get them there. 
But I'm saying, like, this year isn't about winning the Super Bowl. This is about having growth for Carson Wentz and the team. And let's play this one out. Let's say Alshon Jeffrey balls out. He he puts up T.O. statistics. He could potentially outplay his price tag here. Now, you don't have Matthews. You don't have him. Where do you get the replacement of that productivity? Yeah, I, David, I think you're worrying about stuff that's so far down the road. Uh, yeah, uh, listen. But, that, but that's uh, what they told us. They told us. That, go by what they said. They said this year is about Carson Wentz's growth. And realistically, we know they can't win the Super Bowl this year. And, I mean, I want to see the whole team growing up. I, I mean, I'm, I'm aggressive. I said flat out, I think this team can win nine games, and they should compete for the division. But I'm I'm also 37, and I want to see them win the Super Bowl. And with this being yeah, but I I don't think. And thanks for the call. I don't think Jordan Matthews is going to be the difference you make in the Super Bowl. I I'll, I'll repeat what I said. I don't entirely disagree with him because I think that it. I I don't know how good Ronald Darby is going to be. We talked about it earlier. His rookie year he was terrific. Right. Last year, not at all. We're right. going to talk to Sal Carpaccio from Buffalo in the next segment, who watches him every day, every game, every practice, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they paid a steep price, but I don't disagree with it in theory of improving your defense uh, as much as they could do it um, on a team that badly needed it um, and had some depth at wide receiver. Yeah. I'm not fundamentally opposed to the idea of the trade. No. Uh, here's where David could have gone. I, I, I kind of, when he was talking about doing it at the draft, Here's here's the way I here's the way I would look at it if if you want to roll if you want to roll back the clock a little bit on this one and take it back to the draft knowing the need that you had at corner and not to, a down the road need at corner but an immediate need at corner this is where you can question the decision to draft Sidney Jones that's a good point to, to draft a corner who you know isn't going to play this year you, at that point at the draft, you knew you needed corners, and you needed corners that could play right now. And you used your second pick on a guy who has ability but also has a torn Achilles, which is going to sideline him for a year. Now you find your, your draft, in the next round, you draft Rasul Douglas, clearly hoping that he can play right away. You get to training camp, and you find out, guess what, he ain't ready. And now you're in a position where to fill that hole that you had months ago you have to make a trade where you trade away your top receiver and a third-round draft pick to address a position you could have addressed in the second round by drafting a cornerback that could play this year. If you want to roll it back to the draft, that's the discussion to have. That's a fair point. Yeah, very fair point. Peter, you're on 95 WIP. Hey, guys. Uh, Ray, uh, I was really excited when the Eagles signed Chance Wormack, mm-hmm. uh, especially your profile of him coming out of college. And I really, really hope he makes a team. He's the guy I'm really following. And uh, I heard Jeff McLean saying he's not even sure he's going to make the team because he's one-dimensional and he can only play guard. Uh, how did he do uh, Thursday night? Just fair. I, I thought the whole offensive line – see, his his great strength really is a, as a run blocker. I mean, he's, uh, he's a pure power player. Uh, and the, they, they didn't run the ball, to, me, to my view, often enough – to really to really run it very effectively, um, I I think I'm just based. My feeling of Warmack is based a lot on what I saw him do at Alabama, where I thought in his senior year I thought he was the best. I thought he was the best offensive lineman in all of football, and that was and that was the draft of the three big tackles. I mean, I thought Warmack was that good. 
down in Tennessee, he didn't he didn't play well at all. Um, I'm in hope I was hoping he could resurrect that ability coming here and playing for his old college coach. Um, and I thought he I thought he just played okay. I was I was actually watching him Thursday night too when I watched the game back. I was watching him Thursday night too. I think he's the kind of guy that needs to be in an offense where they run the ball a lot, where he can actually use his size and strength to his advantage. They I didn't think that the Eagles really gave the running game enough of a chance to see what any of those guys could do. Well, do you think the fact that the Packard split so much had anything to do with it? Probably. And, uh, I mean, that's that's part of it, I suspect. Uh, the other part of it is I, I just think it, it's Doug's predilection towards wanting to throw the ball. I mean, uh, he, I mean uh, Doug, Doug, is, Doug is in many ways uh, a, a, an Andy disciple. Uh, and I think he will always lean towards the pass over the run. Uh, I, I think it's I, I think it's a problem. Uh, it's something I worry about. I mean, coming into this year, I think one of the things that they they really need to do is I think they need to run the ball more than they do last year. If I don't want to see Carson Wentz throw the ball six hundred times, I mean, I think they need to put more balance in the offense. Um, and I I don't know how that's going to play out. I thought with the decision to go sign Blunt, like Garrett Blunt, was maybe an indication that they were going to run the ball a little bit more. But when I looked at the play calling breakdown from Thursday night, and I know it's just a preseason game, uh, but to see the Eagles throw the ball as many times as they did and run it as infrequently, uh, to me, I, I think it's an indication of where we're headed on this. Coming up, we're going to talk to Sal Carpaccio. He uh, covers the Bills uh, for WGR Radio in Buffalo. We're going to find out what he thinks of the trade and what the Bills were thinking when they made that deal with the Eagles yesterday. 888-729-9494. So uh, recently, my wife and I were out at the, the brewery in Bridgeport, having a great time, having a couple beers, end of the night, warm out, it's summer, you know what, use a little ice cream, little Bassett's ice cream, and there, sure enough, right across the street from the brewery, on DeKalb Street in Bridgeport, the newest Bassett's ice cream partner, Frosty Falls. Let me tell you something, this place gets it. You know they get it because they serve Bassett's, a locally owned Philly favorite, making summer sweeter and family memories brighter for over 150 years. I had a nice, uh, what did I have, a nice mint chocolate chip with Jimmy's on it. It was delicious. Stop over at Frosty Falls in Bridgeport, ask for manager Ryan Conway, share some memories, some smiles with family and friends because everybody smiles over Bassett's ice cream. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. I'm Sue Schilling. The Eagles still on the practice field as it went longer than anticipated at the NovaCare Complex. Head coach Doug Peterson due to speak after practice and newly acquired cornerback Ronald Darby will also be at the podium. Darby coming over from the Bills yesterday in exchange for wide receiver Jordan Matthews. The Eagles will play preseason game number two Thursday night at home against the Bills at 7 o'clock. And that game could be heard right here on 94 WIP. The Phillies and Mets will play again tonight at Citizens Bank Park. First pitch, 7.05. As for the pitching matchup, it'll be Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Stephen Matz for the Mets. The game could be heard on 94 WIP. Leading off with Rob Cherry begins at 6 o'clock. Phil's trying to bounce back after losing to the Mets last night, 7-6. to six. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather, spotty showers, very muggy today, high 81 at 73 in Philadelphia. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour. For breaking news and scores, go to CBSPhillySports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 
That's Eagles general manager Howie Roseman talking about Darby, the Eagles' new acquisition, Ronald Darby. Um, one guy who's gotten to watch Darby every game, every practice, Sal Capaccio, covers the Bills for WGR Radio in Buffalo. He is the beat sideline reporter there. Um, you can follow him on Twitter, at Sal Sports. Sal, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about Ronald Darby. Um, our sense from afar is he had the big rookie season two years ago, really declined last year. What's the story with that? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with losing his position coach, Donnie Henderson. Uh, Donnie was really good for Ron in 2015, and he worked a lot of them, a lot of technique with him on a daily basis. He had a very good relationship with him. You know, when Rex Ryan's defense didn't live up to par, in 2015, a lot of it was because of the scheme and the guys were having trouble getting the scheme. So Rex made some changes, and he one of the changes he did was he brought in Ed Reed because Ed obviously knew the scheme really well. Well, he couldn't have three defensive backs coaches. He already had Tim McDonald on staff, so he actually wound up letting go of uh, Donnie Henderson. And I think that really hurt Ron because Ron got so caught up, I think, in scheme, scheme, scheme all the time that they weren't really concentrating on a lot of the technique issues that he really kind of – uh, had with with Donnie Henderson. I think he lost his technique last year. I think he lost his way. And on top of that, the scheme was confusing. So I just think his head was spinning, and he really lost his confidence right around after the bye, uh, after about midway midway through the year. He almost lost his starting job. He actually was competing for it with uh, with Corey White, but he wound up keeping that starting job. I think he was confused. I think he was not confident at all. And I think losing his position coach, he had a very good relationship with, played a factor in that. That's interesting. I saw there were a couple stories, Sal, that had reference to uh, some injuries that he had last year that he tried to play through, but they thought hampered him. Do you know what they were? Yeah, he had he had a couple injuries at the end of the last year. I, I, lower body injuries, uh, if I remember correctly, but nothing like too, too serious. He did try to play through, but they were at the end of last year. He was pretty much healthy. He's been healthy. He did miss a game uh, in his rookie year. I can't remember exactly what the injury was there, but it, was, it might have been a shoulder, but uh, nothing that's too serious. No, he's actually played. 29 and even started 29 of a possible 32 games in the National Football League. His first preseason, I got to tell you, his rookie year, he looked awful. <laughs> he was getting abused. I mean, I remember Carolina comes to town. Kelvin Benjamin was catching passes all over him that day, and you know, people said, "Oh my God, here's why did you draft this kid?" And you know, Rex said, "Well, we put him on an island to test him," and they did. And then he really stepped up. You know, that first game he ever played in the NFL, he had a great uh, interception of Andrew Luck down the middle of the field on a deep ball, and really just took off from there. I would say in 2015. The only rookie corner that was better than him was Marcus Peters, and he was he was an NFL All Rookie Team player in 2015. But then, yeah, some injuries, confusion on defense, technique. I think all those things played into last year's setback. Talking to Sal Capaccio, he is the uh, beat the Bills the beat sideline reporter for WGR Radio in Buffalo. Sal, what is he like as a teammate, as a guy? Is the, what's his personality? Well, a funny story. So. Ron is uh, kind of guy. I don't think he loves talking to the media too much. And he, every time we would go into the locker room last year, not every time, but pretty much uh, once or twice a week when we go to the locker room, Ron would make sure he turned on his music really loud in his locker. I think to discourage us from coming over there and talking to him. But he is a good dancer. He would make sure he showed that <laughs> while he had while he had the music going. But but when you did get a chance to talk to him, uh, thoughtful, always smiling, engaging. Seems like a very happy, upbeat guy. Uh, last year at the end of the year, um, I do a TV show here with Lorenzo Alexander, and we get a player every every week. And at the end of last season, we were scheduled to have Tyrod Taylor as our player guest. Well, of course, Tyrod had the injury. They didn't play him, so he couldn't make it to that particular night. And we were literally scrambling, scrambling at the 11th hour to get a guest. And this is a live on location type of deal where all these people come to see a player and get autographs. And at the last minute, 
Ron Darby said he would do it, and this is after a loss, and he drove up there, and you know, really, it, that spoke really well of him to me. I thought he stepped up for his team. He stepped up to do a media appearance when he didn't have to in that situation, and I think he was very accommodating. By all accounts, he's a really good teammate in the locker room, and you're getting a good football player there. He is a very, very good football player. Just FYI, we had the same experience a couple of years ago, and the guy who bailed on us was LaShawn McCoy. So, wow, so there well, you go. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, you know that. That's why we don't go down the road of having Lashawn on our on our yeah, show well, very often. I don't want to be put in that position. Yeah, there you go. No, I I fully understand. The, I when he played when he was playing at Florida State, uh, the coverage that he was asked to play, uh, he and PJ Williams both were, were playing corners on the opposite sides, and uh, they played a lot of press man under coverage. Uh, they used a, they, they were they they played up on the guys. They jammed them a lot. Um, they didn't play a lot of zone. They played a lot of man. And I, I, I looks to me like that's what he's best suited for. Is that, uh, how did Rex use him? And, um, uh, I know that's, I think that's the way Jim Schwartz wants to use him here, but for the most part, was he playing press man under coverage in, in Buffalo? Yeah. You know, they, I don't know if they played as much press last year, but they played a lot of man and under in Rex's system, you have to have man to man corners. You really do. Um, and that was really a hallmark of his defense, you know, going back to, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, but that's really what he brought to Buffalo. And, you know, Ron's good at that. And I don't know if he necessarily fits the scheme. I think that's a big part of the deal here that uh, that they traded, they made the trade here because Sean McDermott's his own cover guy. This team is going to play some cover one, but they're primarily going to be probably a cover three type of team. And I think they felt that Ron didn't necessarily suit that. And, you know, the other thing about it is uh, McDermott, when he came here, he made comment. One, the very first interview he really did was at the owners' meetings. And they said, what kind of defense do you want to have built? And he said, one around corners who will tackle. And Ron is not afraid at all to stick his nose in, but he's not a great tackler. He's not a guy that's going to come up and be physically imposing to anybody. I mean, I remember a couple of times where, you know, he had to go up and he had to challenge Gronk at the line of scrimmage on a couple of those, you know, off the line type of passes. And he did, you know, he, he'll, he'll grab on and he'll stick his nose in there, but he's not overly physical. He is a guy though that can play man to man. And I think that, you know, he'll do a good job in that scheme. But again, I, I you got to have his technique come back to him. He got to have his confidence. So far, so good, I thought, in this camp. I thought he actually was playing fairly confident in this camp. But you wonder how a young kid like that, after what he went through last year, how it will impact him to you know, get traded to another city and you know, what his confidence will, will be after that. But I think that's the biggest key for Ron. If he can really regain that confidence, he's going to be a good football player in Philly. Sal, the Eagles, uh, the Eagles, the Bills make another move yesterday. They trade Sammy Watkins, um, pick up a lesser cornerback and a, and a second-round pick. So they got a second and a third round. What's the strategy? What's what's going on over there? Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to and the fans and uh, the media because there's pretty much most of us, most people, thinking that they're taking a step back and they know it because they're loading up for 2018 and beyond. Guys, they now have two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds in the 2018 draft, which is a lot of collateral. But I'm going to go back to the draft day trade they made this past year. They traded down for the Chiefs to move up to get Patrick Mahomes. They got the Chiefs. Uh, first-round pick next year. And the minute that happened, I've been saying on the air that they did that because they're trying to position themselves to get one of these top-flight quarterbacks coming out in 2018. As you guys know, it's, it's going to be a really good quarterback class next year. Everything they've done with Tyrod Taylor to this point has pretty much spoken to they don't think he's the long-term answer. They didn't have him back only if he would reduce his contract. He did. He came back. He's on a two-year deal, but they can easily get out of it after this year. Now they're taking away Sammy Watkins. So I think they're positioning themselves to – draft a quarterback in 2018 with all those chess pieces they can move around the board and have collateral next year. But at the same time, getting a good football player, as you guys know, Jordan Matthews is a good football player. He's not Sammy Watkins. 
but he is a, a good football player, and he's productive, and they are getting E.J. Gaines back, who does maybe fit this system a little more. So I think they're trying to win in 2017, understanding that the chances of them actually you know, catching the Patriots are probably not very good, obviously, but even maybe not getting in the playoffs, they understand that's the case, and that's why they're building collateral. If they're, um, if they're taking a step back, and I kind of agree with you, and, and looking ahead towards next year and having all those high draft picks and kind of looking down the road, does this suggest that ownership is, is will, is, has that kind of belief in Sean McDermott? I mean, for a rookie first-year head coach to be taking over a team at the time that they're sort of stepping back in talent and taking the long view, that kind of puts a lot of pressure on a rookie head coach, doesn't it? I mean, if that's what the expectations are going to be. It does, but let's remember, rookie head coach and rookie GM. I mean, these are guys that are – I mean, Brandon Bean is the GM. He's 41 years old. Sean McDermott's 43 years old, and the assistant GM is 37. I mean, this is the first time in my life, guys, and I'm older than everybody running the Buffalo Bills. I feel like an old man, right? Yeah. And I'm not. I mean, it's crazy how young they are, but that's what they're doing. Their vision is to get these young people in here who are energetic, who have a bigger picture and a clearer vision to forward think, and they are giving the keys of this organization pretty much to Sean McDermott, but – in concert with Brandon Bean. You know, this trade, both these trades actually happened through Brandon Bean. Brandon actually went to Sean after Thursday night's preseason game and said, look, here's the situation. This is what we have on the table. We need to talk about it. Then they brought ownership involved so everybody would know, and they literally were up all night. And as Sean said, they thought about it backwards, forwards, sideways, every way they can, and they all came out with a consensus that these were the two, be- the two deals to make to better this organization. Well, Sal, as a uh, Buffalo native myself, I, I hope they get it right because I will always have a soft spot for the Bills. And, Ray, you know my dad. Oh, yeah. My dad remains the biggest. But my dad's 87th birthday today. Mm-hmm. He wow, remains He remains the biggest Bills fan there is. So. Do I need to drive somewhere here today to give him a birthday present? Now he lives down here now, but he oh, follows okay. from okay. afar. But that's very nice of you. Sal Capaccio, thank you very much. You can follow him at Sal Sports. Great stuff. We really appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thank All you. Right. Enjoy Thanks, your day. So. Seemed, the, pretty, seemed pretty high on him. Well, yeah. And what was, the, what was the term that he kept coming back to? Technique, technique, technique. Yeah. And, and that's and that's what I saw last year. Um, he he needs he really needs to become. It's not that he has bad technique. He just needs to be consistent in the way that he applies the technique. But he's a. I mean, he's a really talented, legitimately talented young player. That with a good with good coaching here and in a new system. I think he has a chance. Well, he's certainly going to be the best corner that this team has right now. Well, but I mean, he has a chance to be a really good player. All right, here you go, Ray. Put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Will Ronald Darby make the Pro Bowl during his career with the Philadelphia Eagles? Which I assume would make him the first Pro Bowl cornerback on this team since Lito Shepard. I'm guessing. Yeah. Or Sheldon, right? Who left in oh eight oh nine. Yeah, I'm, did Sheldon never make a Pro Bowl? I don't know. Lito did. Lito did. Yeah. I would say I would say first the first one since Lito. Right, none of those jokers has since. No. Asamoah didn't make it in like you know a stupid vote, right? Yeah. No, they're not talking about making it with another team. We're talking about making no, no. It, I, know, I know. Making it here, right? Yeah, I, I would say Lito's probably the last right, one. So will Ronald Darby ever make a Pro Bowl as an Eagle? Uh I got a I got a mouth scrunch. Mm. I got a I got a. Eyebrow curl. I got a grimace. Yeah. I I don't know. It's tough. I mean, there's a lot of good corners. There's a lot of good so corners. That's a no. 
Yeah, there's a lot of good corners that, right in this conference. Okay. Yeah, no, so you got no Richard Sherman, you got Patrick Peterson, yes. you got Janoris Jenkins. Yes. No is an acceptable answer there. I just yeah. wanted to answer. But that doesn't but by saying that I'm not suggesting he's not going to do I, a good job. I understand that. You're not writing him off. You're just if you had to bet a hundred bucks, you'd say no. If if I yeah, if I had to pick a hundred if I had to say a hundred bucks, I I would probably say no. Largely because there's a lot of bigger names. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.